enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica, and today we will be discussing the second season of Bridgerton on Netflix. If you haven't caught up with the show, you may want to save this episode and tune in later because there will be spoilers. If this is your first time tuning into the Temple of Geek Podcast, welcome. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture, news, and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. With me today, we have a very special guest. Welcome to the podcast. Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? Of course. So my name is Maria. Um, Many, well, if you are familiar with me, it would be through TikTok under the handle, call me by the same Maria. Um, I am just your average med student who was procrastinating one day and started making TikToks. I've always really loved TV a little bit too much and always would like bother my friends and family with all my thoughts and theories. And eventually they got sick of me. So I started making TikToks about it and somehow got a following. And here I am. I also have a Twitter and Instagram, but they're not as much about TV content and fandom content. So if you are interested in hearing my takes after this, you should follow me on TikTok under Call Me by the Same Mario because I talk about every show, movies, and all the fandoms. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. All right. So Netflix Bridgerton returned for the second season on March 25th. The show's first season was a bit of an overnight success. The series follows the eight close-knit siblings from the high society Bridgerton family as they try to find love. Now in its second season, the series explores themes of unresolved trauma and how it can stand in the way of finding that love. The show is based on Julia Quinn's best-selling series of novels. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about is the representation on this film. Of course. Because honestly, I don't think I've ever seen a show that looks so gorgeous while being so diverse mm-hmm. and just like the clothes, the set, I just, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> so yeah. what did you think? I mean, I completely agree. I Definitely had my reservations with it because every time you hear representation, you're very excited. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I hope they do a great job. They did a phenomenal job <laughs> with this. Like their detail. Lo- what I've always really loved about this show is like all the fine details. I haven't really read the books, so I don't know. I can't pick up on the Easter eggs, but I have noticed like the effort that they do put into everything when it comes to each character, how they dress, how they do their hair, their like jewelry. And like they were very much on point when it comes to the Sharma sisters and the representation, as well as just like the story as a whole. So I thought it was beautifully done. And I thought the girls were gorgeous and just it was just very, very like I was very happy with it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, uh, you and I were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. But uh, Shonda Rhimes, who created the series, she also mm-hmm created shows like Grey's Anatomy, um, Scandal, you mentioned uh, How to Get Away with Murder, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Inventing Anna. All of these shows do have a lot of really great representation, really well mm-hmm. done representation. Mm-hmm. And I like, I just couldn't get over the quality of, because like you said, you're always a little nervous with representation because you're like, oh, is it going to be like the token representation, exactly. right? Is it going to be yeah. like, you know, not well written or something where it's almost kind of like borderline, like, is it almost racist, you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it's, um, I really like that they just, ex- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I really like that no. they just kind of exist, the representation. Like there doesn't have to be a reason for them to be there. They can just be there. Um, and for me personally, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have feel- feelings that are similar that like usually whenever there is a girl that's of a different like ethnicity they're always like exotic or like oh you're just so different or like you're like beautiful for this there was none of that it was just like she was gorgeous just being gorgeous and yeah she was just a high society uh, lady yeah exactly and I really love that they didn't tokenize it or like make it borderline you know stereotypical at all so it was very it's very like refreshing to see this in a show these days 
Yeah, and I felt that way when I saw the first season. So I mm-hmm. have no context for Bridgerton before season Same. one. I didn't mm-hmm. even know that they were a book series. Neither did I. Yeah. After I've been season one, I was yeah. like, what? I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to read the books now, though, because this last season really hooked me. Like, I think the first season, I was, like, really into it just because of, like, pop culture. But, like, this season, I was much more invested. I just thought... Um, I know that there's been mixed reviews, but I really liked this season personally. I thought it was yeah, different, I, but good. Yeah, I feel the same. Like the first season, because I had no context maybe, I was like, wow, this is like so good. And the representation mm-hmm. is so great. So going into the second season, I was a little bit like, uh, I don't know if they can do what they did in the first yeah. season. I was blown away by the, what they did in the second Agreed. season. And I've seen some reviews that talk about the books basically veering away from you know the original story and so Mm -hmm. I I do have context as far as like oh I know in the book there wasn't like a love triangle between the Sharma sisters and things like that Uh Um, and that's I can understand why people are maybe disappointed like book readers are disappointed like that with that but I just kind of take it in the same grain as like Game of Thrones for example or even um, Lord of the Rings like they're just different tellings of this one story it's not yeah, I think any book to movie adaptation has to have that like um, leniency or like, you know, like room for um, interpretation, essentially. Um, and I know that I, because they, I think, I'm again, I haven't read the books either. So I don't know if there's as much representation in the books as there are in the shows. So I saw other TikTok comments <laughs> talk about this, saying that like, had they done what they did in the book, the representation would have not been um, as comfortable. Like it wouldn't have worked well with that narrative. So I think they wanted to stay true to what they were showing in the um, representation of the Sharma sisters. So that's why they deviated from what the book had happened. And this is just me speculating. No, no. And I get that. Um, We did an interview right after Endgame on Temple of Geek with Jim Starlin, who Mm -hmm. created Thanos. And so we interviewed him and we asked him, like, you know, were you okay with the differences between what happened in Endgame and what was like canon in the comic books. Yeah. He kind of was like, no, you'd be crazy to assume that it could go page to movie. It's very rare, the movie that can do that. And he Mm -hmm. goes on to explain just kind of like how the industry works, how many people are working on a team, what translates well and what doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so since then I've kind of been like, okay, like I won't like stick to having to have it just like the book. You know. And with like a character like Thanos, if that applies there, then it definitely would apply to like books that aren't as well known. So, right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was just really happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that makes so much sense. That's really cool that you did that too. Like, I, lo- I love hearing about that. <laughs> I, uh, I like, I get so excited when like you said, people can just exist. And they could just be yes. beautiful and yes. gorgeous clothes yes. and beautiful surroundings and beautiful yes. settings. Mm-hmm. And the thing to me that really got to me about the representation is how, like, it was so many skin tones, like, mm-hmm. dark skin tones. And, like, to oh, see beautiful on. I'm sorry. Like, I'm a yeah, that was my favorite part, too. As it is. Mm-hmm. But to see beautiful brown women, Asian <laughs> women, like, just so many women with beautiful clothes. I don't know. I'm sorry. I just get like, like no, I, it's, I, it's completely okay. You don't have to apologize. Like I um, I think you've seen a few of my videos about Bollywood on my TikTok. Oh yeah, before. you did talk about yeah. it. Yeah, and um, one thing that I've been like kind of scared to like get into, but I want to talk about this is like the colorism in Bollywood that exists not only in Bollywood but also in my culture. So like the colorism is very very heavy when it comes to the South, well South Asian but Indian culture, Pakistani culture, and I just loved that this was like yeah, a dark Tamil girl is the main character and that's that. We don't need to explain it, talk about it, that she is the main character. And this is probably the first time I've seen a South Asian dark um, South um, main character ever. Even though I've watched Bollywood my whole life, I've never seen anyone of that skin tone as the main character before. Yeah, and I felt that way, like I'm a Mexican woman. So um, Mm -hmm. when Roma came out on Netflix, Uh um, usually the same kind of colorism exists in Mexican culture, right? Like those Mm -hmm. Euro, beauty standards really just, they exist everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so even in Mexican television, um, you know, when you watch TV, it's very like light skinned blonde people. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the movie Roma, the main character was a dark skinned woman who 
looked very, I don't want to say ordinary, but what, what an actual Mexican woman, probably like the average Mexican woman may look, actually look like, you know? Yeah. And it was so moving for me and it was so mm-hmm. exciting for me and i was like oh my god she looks like my cousins like she looks yeah. like it's someone that you can actually relate to more i think yeah. because you actually recognize those features it's not one of those like out of ordinary like oh they just happen to have a very like this type of nose or this type of shade like this is someone that you can recognize and so I completely feel that exactly so it's exciting i'm excited to see what comes next i know i'm really excited for like what they do with because if it is an eight-part book series i'm really excited to see what they do after this too yeah absolutely and Mm -hmm. from what i understand uh shonda rhimes has said that they're not going in order by the book oh yeah i have heard that too yeah so um you know i really want to know what's next i think the brother would be next right i'm guessing Mm -hmm. by the way the story went that we're gonna see Mm -hmm. Louise kind of like a main main thing and maybe colin they did start her story she they got more in detail with her story this time too so yeah i think colin and eloise got a lot more kind of like air time screen time than some of the other bridgerton brothers and mm-hmm. sisters so and i think too also eloise is such a fan favorite mm-hmm. that they could hold off because they don't want to lose her and the people that are right. fans of eloise because yeah. like oh, with daphne once her story was done she just kind she of was gone <laughs> and that's about it yeah yeah i mean i know that reggae sean was not signed on for this season but like they really just scrapped their story so and um, I get it because it's about like each sibling and they're moving right. towards it. Mm-hmm. And think about it like I don't know if you ever watched Doctor Who, but I have just like the one fandom that I'm like not. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I haven't seen it. Perfect fandom, but I love it. So in that <laughs> one, the main uh, character like changes yeah. every couple seasons, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. think that's what keeps it fresh is because you yeah. get new perspectives. It's like this rotating ensemble cast and. Like, I really think that's interesting. So I'm okay with mm-hmm. losing people in Bridgerton. Um, yeah. But I'd be surprised if they did, like, I would, not not I would be surprised, but I think that they would probably hang on to Eloise a little bit longer just because she's a fan favorite. And especially because I feel like with her and, like, the, um, what is it, Penelope storyline and just, just Penelope being, um uh lady whistledown i think they would have to keep her around because like lady whistledown was kind of the narrator for such a long time well she is a narrator for both of this um season so they couldn't lose their narrator necessarily so i would like to see um and i don't know if penelope's supposed to end up with colin or who she's supposed to end up with because she might i'm assuming she's ending up with colin because of the way the story is but i don't know how they're going to like handle you know penelope leaving because that's the main narrator (laughs) I was going to ask you about this later, but let's talk about it now because we're there. Okay, right. So, right. Lady Whistledown. So in yes. the first season, I was like, this girl got away unscratched. She was manipulating, playing, and mm-hmm. the worst was Colin was kind of disappointed at her. Mariah was kind of yeah. mad, right? But she didn't mm-hmm. really face a lot of consequences considering how much gossip she was doing and how many lives she was, like, manipulating and, and like, you know, like basically mm-hmm. screwing around with, you know? Yeah, really. She just... always got free and I was like, oh, okay, but that's fine. Whatever. Do you gossip girl, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and so then we go into season two and she's starting to finally see some consequences. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like, like she got it bad at the end of this season. So I want to hear your take. Yeah. Oh yeah. And her character even started to change because I feel like her being like this omniscient presence. Cause in season one, she was definitely like this narrator. She wasn't a character. Like, and I think the fact that they made her Penelope was definitely a choice. I'm not sure if that's what it is in the books, but like they could have made her an outside. They could have had her been the shop um, keeper or like the dressmaker. They could have had her been like uh, one of the handmaids, but they made her one of the main characters. So I'm just like, oh, so this has to affect the character. This has to change the personality. This has to make, like, this would change, like, the plot lines of stories. Because if they had them, like, as an outside presence, then they could have just had them be, like, oh, this, like, outside narrator. But, you know, just like Gossip Girl, they're being a mean character. That means there's going to be consequences making them, like, a lady also who's, you know, participating in society. So I'm glad that they showed character changes with her. I'm glad that they showed, like, her relationships changing. Um her and Eloise, that relationship, oh, um, 
like at the same time it's like eloise was so caught up in herself that she like my thought was like how does she not know it's Penelope? like how does she not know it's her best friend it's so obvious to maybe to us but it just seemed like had she paid attention a little bit more she would have known like a while ago that it was her well you she know what, what's interesting about that is there's a scene in supergirl where cat grant who owns like the newspaper media company that supergirl mm-hmm. works on and she instantly knows that Supergirl is, you know, this girl is Supergirl. And uh-huh. and she was like, you can't lie to me. I can see right through you. And no, but nobody else can. Like, it's like the glasses Clark Kent thing. Right, right, right. right yeah. And she explains it that most people cannot see excellence right next to them because they can't wrap, their brain can't wrap around that this person that they know so closely mm-hmm. and you know all their flaws and all their weird okay. things. You cannot mm-hmm. wrap your head around that person being super great and super exceptional, okay. right? Because okay, you that see makes them sense. Di- differently. It's like seeing your brother and thinking he's like this goofy nerd, but some girl is like smitten by him, and you're just like, yeah. you're a parent. All of a sudden, you're like, you're gonna raise a kid. What? <laughs> like, yeah, it's so, so yeah. it's that kind of thing. So I guess I can get it. Plus, uh, Eloise was very, like you said, wrapped up in herself, mm-hmm. and she figured it out. All it took was one thing, and she knew, like one. And like, and I was just thinking. So I rewatched the season um, twice, and I was just thinking, like, had she figured it out a little bit sooner or a different part of her own journey, her reaction would have been so different to Penelope. But she found out when it was like literally shit hit the fan, and it was all like messy and collapsed in front of her. And it was like the worst time for her to find out that Penelope was the way he was slow down. Like, had, like she had so much ad- admiration and like respect, and it, like she really wanted to be Lady Whistledown at one point. But then when she found her was after she was thrown under the bus, after like you know her heartbreak, after she lost everything. So I don't know. It was, it's, it's very like uh, I, I don't know what the term is called in story structure, but you know whenever it's like the worst time. Like had it been. Like, as audience, we know who it is, and we wish it was at this time, and we know, like, we know what it's going to end up being, and we're like, ah, <laughs> we wish, like, is that omniscient, um, we're the narrator at that point, basically. Yeah, and then you- There's a term for it, but I can't think of it. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you can see the difference, too, in, like, season one, Lady Whistle uh, Down, mm-hmm. and season two, because now she's cocky. Now she's like, oh, like, I'm so popular, people listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the shopkeepers and she's like, and by the way, pay the pay the <laughs> delivery boys more and you're going to give me the rate that I want. And even when she's bargaining at the market, she's like, I'm only going to pay you half of what, you know, whatever yeah. this little. It's that confidence. She got like, felt like, you know, she has her groove now. And like, you know, the higher you climb, the harder you fall. The harder so. you fall, yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, that, uh, this will be really interesting. I think that little part at the end with her where she just like, she could have just given it all up and just laid mm-hmm. low, but no, she mm-hmm. like doubled down and she was like, yeah, she no, really I'm did. harder. Um, yeah, she really, which is really bold of her because so many people know her identity now. Right, right. The dressmaker knows her identity. Eloise knows her identity. Um, Eloise knows. Yeah. Uh, the queen was really quick to like get that together. I mean, it only took her two seasons, but still, you know, yeah. she was on her tail from like the beginning. You know, she was really mm-hmm. close. She just thought it was Eloise at first, and then you know. Yeah, I mean, she has all like she had all the right evidence. She just didn't know. Like, I think Penelope gets away because she is like the wallflower. Everyone misses her, but now that like. I feel like now she's going to be very exposed, especially after Eloise being not being her friend and not watching out for her as much. Right. And it's more likely to assume it's Eloise if you're a bystander because she's more outspoken. She's more mm-hmm. like women's rights, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. she has like a history of that, whereas, you know, Penelope does not. Mm-hmm. There's another. Um, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask another question, but go ahead. Uh, so that is, just as a side note, because we're talking about representation and stuff, one mm-hmm. thing that I really love about Penelope's character is her size and how it's never mentioned. And I think yeah. they may have mentioned size and things like that in the first episode of Bridgerton, like in season one, when they're squeezing mm-hmm. the girls into the corsets and things like yeah. that. But since then, they don't really talk about Penelope's size. And I love that because she, again, is just allowed to exist and be in a beautiful mm-hmm. dress, even though she doesn't like her dresses, but she's still yeah. got this beautiful hair and makeup and clothes. And I just really love that too. Just wanted to throw that. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was just thinking about if like, 
I'm not sure who's going to be next, but like if Colin and Penelope are supposed to have like this like love story at the end eventually, I wonder how they're going to tackle this because I mean spoilers ahead if you haven't seen it, but like the one of the last scenes of season, the season finale was like Colin like just being like I would never court Penelope and like making fun of her essentially to all the guys, which very mean, <laughs> very mean. Like I know she's she did a lot, but like that was just really heartbreaking to hear Colin like especially because he was being so like watchful and like. Sam and always look out for you and then for him to be like no never Penelope puh, I could never it's just very like oh, slap in the face I felt for her at that moment but I would like to see how that love story ends up because I hope they don't change her or make her like force her to be different than what she is I hope she exists the way she is exactly they still organically fall in love absolutely and I think I don't know if it was cat lady JJ on TikTok or somebody else I had just recently saw a TikTok video where they're describing that scene where you know, I know the video. Yeah, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, me, that would have hurt less. Yes. And I'm like, yes. So really, especially because like she just had that fight with Eloise, and I was like, back to back. No wonder she double downs afterwards. Like she is out for vengeance. And, like, will she come after the Bridgertons? Because these are like two Bridgertons that are basically like have. Like, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if she does, because like she's. What, what does she have to hold on to, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah. I can't wait to see what happens uh, with them next season. Well, uh-huh. and, uh, as far as, like, the story arc, what did you think of the overall season two story arc? Uh, okay, so I loved how subtle it was. Because at first, like, I think, like, looking at the questions you asked, like, what was what were you expecting for season two? And I was expecting a very, like, outright, like, enemies versus two lovers storyline between Anthony and Kate and just I thought they would just be like at odds and all this stuff but the whole sister storyline though I didn't love that the sisters were fighting it's also a very common not common but like seen Bollywood trope that like oh the sisters love the same guy like that's just something that like happens a lot so as soon as like I happened I remember my best friend texting me just like oh my god they're doing this movie and I'm like I know So I like really liked it because though it's stressful to watch two sisters fight and you didn't really want to see them, it's still something that it's like, yeah, but like this is like a, oh, they fight and they learn to like become better friends in the process because they love the same person and like there was so much healing and growth afterwards and they became, I really loved Edwina's character like breaking out because of it because like before she was this very sweet, innocent, not naive, but very like trusting head in the clouds what I really loved about the story arc between Kate, Edwina, and Anthony was that all of it was circumstantial. Like nobody was out to hurt anybody. Nobody was the bad guy. And at least I don't think anybody was like really the bad guy. It was just like bad circumstances. Right. And, uh, you know, um, Edwina was so smart and so clever and so sweet. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where Anthony tells Kate, you're not seeing her for who she really is. Um, When she was like, I have to look out for my sister. I have to do this. And he kind of tells her like, she can do that herself. If you would just look, she's like grown. And it's right after a conversation where, you know, Anthony and Edwina are sitting and they're courting each other and they're talking about like future children. And he says like, I have to travel a lot. And my wife would have to be alone. Oh like, yes. That, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And she's sitting there like, you know what? She was like, I do well in different situations because I have mm-hmm. resources. She was like, you know, I'm. That's a great, that was a great Oh line. my God. She had such substance yeah. and she was her own person. Mm-hmm. And I think and it, the look that Anthony gives her in that moment, he's just like, wow, you are great. And then he defends her to Kate, who's like, she doesn't need you to protect her. She's her own woman. And I was like, like, dang. And, and I remember thinking like, Kate, you better calm down. Like, yeah, your sister is her own person. But I yeah. get that relationship, both of like, Kate just trying to do good by her sister, loving her sister, but almost just like doing too much. Like you just, it's kind of like how Anthony was with Daphne in season one. <laughs> Cause he also thought he had to protect Daphne and all her honor and all this stuff. And it's like, Daphne, Daphne's actually the one that kissed him first. Like you should know what your sister's really up to. So it's like very, I thought I really loved the parallels of like them trying to be protector brothers and sisters. And then someone else being like, you don't know your siblings. Like you think you're being like, it's kind of like the, the childhood trauma, family trauma that you had mentioned earlier that like they were so like stricken with their duty as like siblings and what they had to do for the family that they almost 
forgot about the relationships and seeing the person for who they were. Episode three, um, I think it's called the Be In Your Bonnet, uh, which mm-hmm. is the episode where um, we see when uh, Anthony becomes the Viscount and his father dies. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. episode is probably one of the best pieces of television I have ever seen. And it is the yeah. best explanation in a way. Like for me, I saw it as like, this is why people are struggling in this series with like their mental health. You have mm-hmm. two people who love their family, Kate and Anthony, right? Who both mm-hmm. have lost their fathers and had to grow up too fast. And as the older siblings had to take on all this responsibility when they were just children, when they were barely trying mm-hmm. to figure out the world and they just kind of like, basically just like powered through and didn't get to grieve or mourn because they were too busy being in charge, you know? And, you know, that mm-hmm. does something to your personality that does something to your like thought processes. And like, it obviously it affects you emotionally, you know, Kate was lying to herself over and over that she didn't want a husband, that she didn't want to get married. And she projected all her actual wants all the time, onto her yeah. sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do a really, they do a really good job of like how like unresolved um, trauma, unresolved like personal um, issues can project and like affect the relationships present day or future. Because like the, they kind of did this in season one with the Duke, but like I think it was much stronger in this season. Like with Anthony and watching him, just his whole story, because like the whole growing up too fast with his father passing away definitely something that we all could feel but like watching his mother grieve and then him being like I don't want to be a reason for someone to be in that much pain it's like oh no wonder he doesn't want to fall in love he doesn't want to it's not even about like he's scared to like you know have his heart broken he's scared to break someone else's heart like that strongly so it's like it really showed a lot of strength like it showed a lot of understanding with Anthony like I, I remember I judged him really quickly but after seeing that whole that episode I was like wow okay Anthony actually makes so much sense for how he is right and i used to always think i have you know i i i live for romance on screen but in actual real relationships i always feel like Mm -hmm. it can't be super romantic because i then i worry about somebody love bombing you or somebody like you know kind of like (laughs) manipulating you or something like that and sometimes i think that couples you know they rush in too quickly into the thought of marriage and this and that and they don't really break down the basics like where are we going to live you know how are we going to raise our kids what our like you know plans are and then what happens if those plans change or we change like there's so much mm-hmm. that goes into like setting yourself up for a relationship that's going to last and be long term that's not romantic that's just kind of like yeah. almost like business like you have to make it really is finances but i've always yeah i always think that there is a I think there is a business to marriage, though. I've always, like, you have to, it's a partnership. Like, literally, you're going into business, the mar- like, business of marriage. That sounds like a cheesy line, but, like, it really is. It really is. So then when I was seeing the scene where, like, um, you know, Kate is trying to explain to Edwina what she wants and why Anthony can't give her that, and then Anthony's in the barber chair with his brother explaining, like, you know, I love my family she you know kate saying he can't love and he and he says i love my family so much that i'm willing to right. do this for business mm-hmm. it's the love of my family so he's completely capable of loving somebody right but his mm-hmm. idea of love is more like a business transaction right um and just to like because since we're talking about that scene that's the scene whenever the song um a very famous bollywood song is playing in that moment by the way like yeah, so like speaking of representation, this is why I was like, really excited because like I had heard that there's this really famous movie called Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum. It's nicknamed K3G because that's a very long title, but it's a very iconic like family value love story, very like Bollywood um, glam type of movie, and it has very like iconic music. So they use the title song for that scene. Um, it's and it's like it's very huge because it's like I grew up. This one of my favorite movies. It's like a, like a fan favorite. So like they play it, and it's basically about like how love can be happiness and also like grief. So it's like kabi kushi kabi gum. It's like it's sometimes happy, it's sometimes grief. And like every time they show a happy moment, it's always with Edwina talking to her like talking to her sister and her mother in a very like um, traditional like um, um, wedding event. And then whenever they they show the grief part, it's like you know, Anthony talking about like how this is his duty and this is what he just has to do for family and like it's like business almost. And it's very like 
a very interesting way to interpret the song almost as well so because that movie's I know, right? I don't know if they put this much thought into it, but I definitely put too much thought into that scene. I was like, ah, oh, this is why they did this. I'm convinced they they looked at the lyrics and they're like, this scene has to have a song. We're going to so, be, I really like that. Part. I need confirmation. <laughs> um, I always do this, like, even with MCU, I think I'm like, I probably am overthinking this, but this is what I think they were meant. And they're like, they just, they just Googled a doctor's, like for Doctor Strange, I did this whole analysis of like, oh, they made him a neurosurgeon for this reason. And they're like, probably just google doctors and they just assigned him one i was like oh they you know thought about it a lot like i did <laughs> but um yeah sorry just wanted to bring no, up that no. that scene is like that scene is just so well done because of like the music and then like the traditions but then they're also just showing like how anthony feels about marriage and it's like very similar like you said like this is his duty this is like what he loves his family so this is what he's going to do um i also love how daphne brings up how like her like speech to him and then the whole, like, you do everything for us. But unfortunately, that is not giving you the respect of your family. And I felt like that was such a gut punch. Line. Yeah. And then there's also um, two moments where, and I think it's um, Lady Danbury telling Kate this. And then also, like, as a mirror, because Kate and Anthony are very much mirrors of each other. It's his mm-hmm. mother um, telling uh, Anthony this. And, you know, he's t- he t- talks to his mother about how he doesn't want somebody to grieve him the way she grieved mm-hmm. his father and things like that. And she's kind of like, you know, you're missing the point. Your father could be super dutiful, but still loved. And then Lady Danbury, like, kind of, you know, mirrors something similar where she tells Kate, like, you know, where Kate kind of calls her out and was like, you're alone and you're fine. And she was like, yeah, but I've already yeah. loved and lost. She's like, I already mm-hmm. lived my life. Um, and not mm-hmm. to say that women should just kind of, if that's what you want, that's fine if you want to be mm-hmm. on your own. But it was very clear to Lady Danbury that she did not want it to be on her own. And she was like forcing herself. And she was like, you're not going to be happy and you'll never be like me. I'm content because I've already lived all this life, you know? And it's very interesting that Kate, because I was thinking about this too. I'm just like, why is Kate gravitating towards Lady Danbury over than her mother? Because I did think it was kind of weird that her mother didn't take play as big of a role when it came to the sisters because it's like Kate was almost like Edwina's mother um, in the way that they were talking. Um, I remember like Daphne had all those conversations with her mother when it came to love. Edwina was having it all with Kate, which makes sense, older sister. But like her mother was never really present. And I thought it was very interesting. And then even Kate was having all these conversations with Lady Danbury, but even though her mother was also alone. It's just a very, it's just more of like, I thought it was a very interesting tactic. And I wonder if it's because like her relationship with her mother was strained. Um, And they did get into it towards the end. That was my only thing. I'm like, huh, I wonder why they made those choices because they definitely just um, used the parallel between Anthony and his mother to compare those two relationships. And I think they do bring it up a little bit at the end where she was like, she was like, oh, you were grieving our father. And she was like, but you were too. She was like, that was my failing. Mm-hmm. She she basically let yeah. Kate take the reins, basically. And so her mother mm-hmm. almost put herself in her in the situation of being like the second one to Edwina. She allowed Kate yeah. to just kind of like take over control and, you know, be in charge of everything or whatever. And maybe because they didn't have a son that would have done that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. in, like, in those times. You you wouldn't be taking over. Not everybody is a Lady Featherington who's like scheming and plotting and everything. You know, most of the time they're just like whatever my son says. You know, right? So Lady Featherington is like iconic in this time. Like the way she just moves about in both seasons, (laughs) she's like a force in herself. And I just want to segue into that because we're already talking about her. But the way that Captain uh, Cousin Jack. You know, the new Lord Covington would look at her. I was like, damn. Yeah, I was like, wait, is this this how it's supposed to be? It was was a very unexpected love story because it comes out like in the middle of the season. You're like, is this for real? Like, this is a side story, really? But also, I love that this older woman was being looked at, even though he ended up being super shady and all that. But the fact that he was Mm -hmm. like, damn, I see your worth. I see your brain. Yeah, I was into it. I was very much into it. We can do this together. He was like, I'll steam with you. He looked at her like an equal, like not at first, obviously, but when he, when it clicked for him, like, damn, this girl has something. You know, so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, goodness. 
you know it's like steamy in here <laughs> it's like very duke nature like and it's after like how the old lord Feather- featherington was she deserved it like i'm not saying that she's like great morality wise but she he, her last husband put her through a lot so good for her good for her good yeah. for her getting years. Yeah. 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 and you know what's interesting about that too is um so speaking of like that dynamic so this season mm-hmm. i saw some complaints that there isn't as much you know sexy scenes as there was in the first season and stuff like that but yeah. i yeah. feel like the tension and the sexual chemistry oh. was way stronger and they did so much less like some of the looks and oh. and I would like to offer like did you sl- like slow down on that flashback scene like after they finally do something Kate has these vivid flashbacks I would encourage them to just like slow down on those flashbacks because those flashbacks were enough I was just like oh my god <laughs> they just showed so much in like five seconds <laughs> like what happened it was like a whirlwind it was like all three episodes yeah no but really there was someone actually who was so down and took screenshots and like tweeted them and like all my friends like sent it to me and I was like Whoo, what <laughs> when did this happen and then I had to go back and I'm like what it literally for a nanosecond it happens and someone like shot them yeah cause, like, um, it's literally three episodes of like the season one in a five second span, in my opinion. Because, like in season one, Anthony was naked half the time. I swear. Oh yeah. Like, he was like oh, yeah. with this girl and this girl and whatever, right? Oh. But like mm-hmm. in season two, he for the most part he has his clothes on, except for like I think one mm-hmm. opening scene at like in the first episode of season two or whatever. But mm-hmm. for the most part he keeps his clothes on. And I think he was sexier with his clothes on. I don't know. That's just me. And, and like I think they didn't kiss until I think it was like episode six. Yeah, like, it was a really long late. time before they even like touched and they kissed. But they did like more because like they weren't even married until like the last episode. So when you think about it, it was a lot more scandalous because they were doing stuff pre-marriage. And we know what that means in high society. Like, uh, that's very scandalous. Um, like, I mean, Prudence had to marry, what's his name? Cousin, like Lord Featherington. Because they were in the orange room together. <laughs> Or supposedly exactly. touched her back. Yeah, because they were in the room together by themselves. That was enough. So, like, that's saying a lot. Yeah. That's why I say, like, I think this season, uh, I know that, like, I think one of, like, the, um, I watched, I think this season came out Friday. I watched it on Sunday. And I heard a lot of, like, reviews saying that, like, oh, I wish there was more sex. I wish there was, like, less this, blah, blah, blah. And I was, like, expecting it to be, like, kind of boring. But I was, like, this was very, I don't know. I think it was just, like, a different type of, I think this was more of, like, the audience of, like, you know, for something that was, like, of the regal area. Like, the uh, one of those, um, what do you call it? Like, time, um, what's it called whenever it's, like, in a different time? Era. Era, yeah. Era, like, romances. I think it makes sense for, like, that. I think the season one was very much, like, trying to draw audiences in. Whereas, like, this season is very much, like, what the series is like. Right, right, right. And then, um, also... So much about the season that I really like, and especially like between Kate and Anthony. Somebody on TikTok did a, I have to link it in the show notes because I think everybody has to see this. But Shonda Rhimes, who, you know, is, you know, the executive producer on the show, she also did Princess Diaries 2 with um, Anne Hathaway and Chris Pine. I did not know that. That makes so much sense. Yes, like, yes, I know the TikTok. Very know the similar, TikTok. and they did like the side mm-hmm. by side of them, and I was like, "Oh, she knows what works. <laughs> she knows what we want." Yeah, no, she really does. I didn't know. I saw that TikTok. I had no idea Shonda Rhimes did Princess Diaries too. She is good. She's good. She's so good. At, I'm like, like a Shonda Rhimes yeah. stan now. Oh yeah, for sure. I've always loved her since like Will Grace, but like Scandal drew me in, and now this. Um, and then also, like we mentioned earlier, Inventing Anna is so good. I don't know if anybody's catching on to that one but man I yeah like- I I still need to keep watching I was just thinking about how I like stopped watching it the other day because of Bridget <laughs> so I need to go back and finish it because I do want to know what happens with Anna yeah and um, it's funny because with at least inventing Anna I've been following the story for years because I remember the original mm-hmm. like scandal that came out mm-hmm. of the news and everything so when they got the next like show I was like okay I'm gonna watch this I'm gonna watch this and I lost a lot of yeah. sleep because I've been invested for years so I was just like yeah, yeah, of course. I binge the whole show. Like, I just need to see it. <laughs> yeah, I was watching it because um, I was like in between class. I'm in between exams right now, so I watched it as soon as my exam ended. I'm on the episode where they finally go to Morocco. I think 
it gets good. Yeah, yeah. Everything <laughs> from yeah like it's like it's like building up at this moment. So I had to stop because I'm like I need to pay attention because like this is when like it hits the fan. But um, then I stopped watching, so I have to go back to it. Uh, but yeah, so but speaking. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was saying that speaking of Bridgerton, I really loved Edwina's line at the end of the wedding. Um, like her whole speech at the end of the wedding, whenever she tells Kate, she's just like, you lost all your power, but I found mine. And like, that's a victory enough for me. Oh, chills. Uh, I don't think they could have chosen a better actress for Edwina. Oh my she, God. She, she could, it was amazing. It was amazing to see. She looks very youthful, very young, right? It's her first role, I think. Is it? I think she just finished whatever. I think she might have been in one other thing, but this is her first main breakout role because she just finished school. Because I, I Googled her. <laughs> I was like, who is this actress? I need to look everything up. I was obsessed with both of them. So I like looked up everything about them. She has a very youthful like vibe, look, mm-hmm. everything. But also in the same moment, she came off so mature and so like empowering and I was like dang like who is this girl but there are so many scenes where her acting was like incredible and especially the scene where like um the Viscount uh, Anthony doesn't propose after dinner and like they're waiting yes her face yeah when she's crying and her sister's holding her and she does this little like and I'm like oh my god I was like don't cry baby don't cry Her, her reaction at the dinner table, because she had to, like, keep it together, but it was, like, enough that you could tell that she's devastated. It, she has no lines at all. She just has a look, and you could tell, you could feel all her emotions in this one look. She's a very talented actress. I was blown- um, I also was. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was blown away by her. I, I, she really yeah. is, I think, like you said, a breakout star. Yeah, and I love how, like, steady her voice would be with all the different emotions. Like, her, whenever she runs off, at, like after whenever she realizes that Anthony and Kate are in love and she just runs out her like yelling at her mother to her sister and like that whole her interaction with Anthony like she could have played the same tone the same type of demeanor but she just had a different like reaction and tone and like pitch to her voice even so that that episode like I was like this girl has range this one episode just shows her whole range <laughs> right now that this has to be her acting real because she's incredible i cannot wait to see what else she does no yeah absolutely she was really great um you know i do hope we see a little bit of more of her like in the next season but i doubt it because you know i would love to see her and the prince together her, if she and, her and the prince get together i would love to see that storyline i know we probably will not but like the idea of her getting together with the queen's like nephew definitely made me feel really happy towards the end i would be okay even if it's like a side story yeah you can just kind of like mm-hmm. pop in and check on or something yeah. we want all yeah. the things for the actress and the character <laughs> i know <laughs> she deserves it and we deserves it she like went through so much that poor girl with her heartbreak um and then she like ship her sister and anthony at the end it was just like such a big move of her so so and that was another thing um so i some complaints that i saw online on twitter and on tiktok and things like that was that everybody felt like the ending was really rushed I didn't really feel it that way because I felt like I don't think I needed to see two weddings. Like I was okay with it ending. And I know we'll see Kate in the next season a little bit more because she'll be, she, you know, she's, she's a Bridgerton now and she's in charge Mm -hmm. of launching the rest of the girls and she'll be in the house Mm -hmm. with the Bridgerton kids. So I know we will see more of her, even if it won't be like, like as front and center as it was. So I wasn't too um, worried about it being rushed, but did you feel like that end scene was rushed? So I think the see, I think as far as the story they wanted to tell, they, the pacing was perfect because like, I think when I first watched it, I was like, I wish they would have got into the controversy later. But then I realized like, no, the wedding's in episode like six, like by episode six, it's like halfway through, we know, like Edwina knows. And now they're trying to just like, pick up the pieces essentially then they have their little scandal she get then she falls she's in an accident like a lot happens after the wedding and then they kind of close it off and they make sense that like now she's just it's mostly um kate realizing that like okay anthony kind of finally grows up and starts to like open up and like accept that he is in love with her ready to like move um step up and now it's just basically kate's turn so i feel like the story actually comes full circle like they deal deal with all the aftermath of the wedding edwina and kate like figure out the story she figures out like what she wants in life and that like it's okay to change her opinion she doesn't have to like 
continue this duty, she can be, you know, choose her and do something that she wants to do and put herself first. So I think the story itself was perfect and like it closed off really well towards the end. I think the complaint is that they wanted to see Anthony and Kate like more together. Like being in love, they just wanted to like, be, yeah, they just wanted to then be cute and like have like smut scenes, a, a little bit more of the smut scenes, which like I tell you, go back to the flashbacks. They're enough. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> They're there. You just have to find them. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I think it's, uh, I like, I don't feel like it was rushed. I think it told the story it was supposed to tell. Mm-hmm. I know that some of the people who read the books complain that in the book, you get more of them together and kind of like, you know, mm. and that's fine. But I understand that they have intense chemistry. I understand yeah. that they have a very special bond. And mm-hmm. I saw it play out slowly. I get it. I understand it. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. I'm all right. Yeah. I mean, like, the TikTok, like, I don't know about your For You page, but my For You page is nothing but Anthony just, like, like you know, smitten over this girl and, like, all his lines, that moment where he smells her. Like, he is just, there's enough content of Anthony simping over this woman. <laughs> so I'm like, how much more do you need? So I feel like it's there. It's just... It's very different from season one. So I think they're just comparing it to like wanting more scenes with the couple together. Yeah. And that's fine. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. It's very fair. I get it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So are there any other characters or anybody from the cast that like you really thought were really great this season or that you were just kind of like, we could have done without? I really love the one brother. I cannot remember his name. It's not Anthony. Anything? It's not Colin. Yeah, Benedict. I really love Benedict. And I just like kind of, but I feel like his story, this, it ended in an interesting way because it's like, okay, he's quitting the Art Academy or he's not quitting the Art Academy. I'm just like a fan of Benedict. I don't know if he's supposed to be next, but I guess how he's not, I'm not sure. I know that he might be queer coded. I'm not sure if they're going to continue with that like storyline. It is, it is, I have noticed there haven't been any queer characters yet. They had like uh, in his like one, one friend. Yeah, that was about Yeah, but that was barely a story. So, like, I don't, I'm really surprised that they haven't had that representation yet. So, I would, ass- I'm assuming they're going to do it soon. Because, yeah, it really does feel like that's the main thing missing from that show. Right? Yeah, because it's very, like, they have everything else. It's like, why wouldn't they have a queer character that's more upfront? So, I'm not sure. But I really liked Benedict. I really kind of wish that story was. History felt more developed in season one, and I feel like this time they just are doing so much that they couldn't show him as much. So I don't have a complaint. I just wish we could have seen him more. Yeah. But a lot was happening this season. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. I agree. And and I know that we have maybe we're just setting him up for future stuff in these seasons. We'll mm-hmm. get his full season the way Anthony got his full season. And yeah, yeah, you know. So um, it'll just be interesting because in the books he's supposed to go next. So yeah, it'll be interesting. And I wish. Yeah, and I wish that they could do him next with still doing Eloise. Like, I, I think that he and Eloise such, have such a good bond that they could probably show her story too through his. But I again, those are two one of my two favorite characters. Yeah. So maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, I do find Colin interesting because I don't know how I feel about Colin. Um, okay, like okay. I'm just kind of like on the fence. Like, is Colin a good guy? Like, he comes off that way. But then he yeah. turns around and he like dogs his friend. Like when he yeah. just told her, you're special to me. You're a friend. You're mm-hmm. my friend kind of thing. So it's the same thing with Anthony though. Like last season I was very mm-hmm. anti-Anthony and I was like, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to like this season. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. Anthony's like this character that I'm just like, oh my God, I like you. Yes, this is fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they're going that route and uh, I'm trying not to find perfection things and, and characters but i'm very intrigued by colin hopefully like and we'll see yeah I, I, i'm glad you brought that up because i also feel very similarly with colin because um i think he's actually a, the, especially in season one he was a big character so i feel like we've seen a lot of colin but he's the one character i've seen so much of but i have no idea what to feel about him yeah i'm just i'm on the fence we'll see how he you know shapes up as the later seasons come on knock on wood mm-hmm. that we're gonna get more seasons right because I'm sure yeah. we will. I don't think. You know, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I'm pretty sure the show is still doing very well. That they're going to sign up for the next seasons. I know that Netflix likes to cancel shows, but I don't think they're going to cancel this one. I really. They better not. Because it looks like they better not. Path. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're too invested now. Like I'm thinking I'm more invested now than I was last time. Yeah. Last oh, absolutely. Time. Like I, I really enjoyed season one. I was really excited, you know, about it. But I'm definitely more invested now. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the only, like, there were so many characters. It's so great to have, like, an ensemble cast because, like, mm-hmm. uh, even the queen and and the, the king's relationship, I really want to see more of that. So I hope oh. that we start to see more of that. I know that they're not the main focus and everything, but I am intrigued by their relationship and what's going on there especially that moment at the end where edwina like you know calms him and shows the queen kind of another Mm -hmm. way to be with him you know and you can see for a second in the queen's eyes like just just basically like her her sadness and her love for him at the same time and oh so i'm very curious about that i would like to see a little bit more of that I really love how that love story plays a factor in the Bridgerton universe. Because, like, and I think in season one, they bring up Lady Danbury is explaining to the Duke, like, why it's so important for him to be a Duke. Because, like, you know, for representation's sake, like, you know, the Queen, it was because of love that, like, you know, she became Queen. And it's, like, their duty to continue on being regal, essentially, in this time. Because, like, you know, just to show the importance of that. And then... I think the queen had a moment with the king and that's why she let Daphne and the Duke like have that accelerated marriage. And then they show it again in this season with, you know, how Edwina handles the king. That is what kind of softens up the queen and tells Edwina to follow her heart because that is the most important thing for her to do. I really love how the love story is so strong that this the queen is a very intimidating character when you think right, about right. it. Like she does not, she's mostly just there for her own like pleasure and she's like kind of, looking for Lady Whistledown, competing with this, like, unknown source, expecting these things, commanding this of, like, Lady Danbury. And in this moment, she's just like, follow your heart. It's not very, like, much like her character, but it shows that love story was that important to her that she even forgets herself. Mm -hmm. So it has a very, it's like that's, it's a love story has, like, a character in the show. So it would be really nice if they could expand on it because they definitely have, it's made its impact already. And then touching again on the representation thing, the fact that there were so many people of color that got so much screen time, like yes. so much screen time, you know, you have the queen, mm-hmm. you have Lady Danbury, you have the three shawarma ladies, the mom, the uh, sisters, you have even the dressmaker, like mm-hmm. it really felt nice. <laughs> like is the only way I can yeah. explain it. There was like so mm-hmm. many like good roles that went to people of color and it's very exciting. I know. And I feel like the it's uh, there's always like a main the, the nicest part is like the main characters are mostly of color and just um and the fact that most most of them are females too is just always really right. nice as well. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that I didn't realize until you said that right now. So much of the cast was female. Yeah, and it's it's nice because like I know that like these era of films are always just talking about how like women don't women are just there to look pretty. And like be wives and they're like ladies in waiting and they're just a lady this is like all they wait for is to get married and it's like well this is them showing a lot more agency when it comes to female characters like making them the main characters about something as silly as like oh they're just pretty ladies getting married like no they have hearts and like personalities and dreams and ambitions and they're just so much more than that so it's really taking back that narrative too yeah it's a great show so we're getting close to the end here Um, Yes, yes. And I know that we could probably talk about this for like another hour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, do you have any uh, predictions or hopes for season three? Like if you could see something for sure, like what is it that you really Mm want to see? I would like to see a queer story for sure. I think that is something that's missing. And I would like to see more representation just with like other Asian or Mexican character or Latin character, um, a dark-skinned black character would be great too i just think that there's they've already opened a wonderful like this great door and like i'm being south asian coming from pakistan i was definitely very happy that this was like a moment for us but i want this moment for everyone else as well so i would love to see an asian character i would love to see a latin character queer character anything that they can like add to the story to make it richer would be wonderful and um I would also like to see how they expand on the Colin and Penelope love story because right now I'm not a fan. <laughs> so I don't want her to be together with him, but I would like to see how they make that work. Cause I'm like, I don't know if these two should be together. Um, everything you said, me too. That's, that'll be like, yeah. I, I do want to see, I, you know, my, my main hope is that the Penelope Eloise um, drama yeah 
is authentic to not like just pitching women against women. I think the show has been yeah. really great at not pitching mm-hmm. women against women, even though there is some because it's gossip and drama and all that. That's fine. But I really hope that it's not like, I hope it's done tastefully, which is like their mm-hmm. their rivalry now, their hurt, their pain, and what happens. I just hope that the Penelope and Eloise story is done done well. Um, that's my only hope. I have high hopes. Yeah, I have. That's actually a really good point. I have high hopes because of Shonda Rhimes, and she's very good at that. But I, as far, as right now, I know I feel for both of them. So I hope that they continue to make it like as it comes from empathy. Right now, I feel like we empathize with both characters, but we also like are mad at both characters too. So it's like, I want that to continue with their rivalry and kind of like the way Edwina and Kate like kind of resolve things. Like it wasn't perfect. There was like a working on progress is very realistic. I hope it continues with that vibe essentially. Absolutely. And then um, what do you hope this show success means for the future of period dramas or just like television in general? Just that we exist more, like, I mean, as simple as, like, it may be too simple, but, like, um, something that I didn't get a chance to mention before, but if you guys are rewatching it, if you ever look at the clothes and the jewelry details of the Sharma sisters, it it shows a lot of, like, the culture, like, just the fabrics and, like, the gold and the pearls, and it's, like, just, like, stuff like that just existing and that, like, just characters like this existing beyond, like, the expectations of what you would think come from that culture, define even defining it even from what we want to see, is just I want that to exist more in any period drama and any show. So that would be my hope. Excellent. And then before we yeah. wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to point out before we? <laughs> yeah. Also, I did bring up the whole like the jewelry and like the garments. If you look, they have like extra fabric that is just like very like. South Asian or Indian, um, a lot there are these little things called jumke, her little like earrings that are gold. There, it's just a very classic, like um, South Indian wear. So it's just it, it's so those little details that are wonderful. So if you're rewatching them or you're just like looking up pictures of the Sharma sisters, notice those details because they and appreciate they them. A lot. <laughs> yes, appreciate them for sure. They, I, they're just just know that some little brown girl in like Pennsylvania is smiling because of those little details. <laughs> I think that the one thing that I just kind of um, hope people take away with them is that, you know, characters are so complex and storytelling like this does a really good job of not villainizing things. Like you don't always have to have like a kind of black and white story, like you're bad and you're good. There's enough drama mm-hmm. in complex stories and yes. there's enough, you know, excitement and there's enough in a complex story and grace like areas and things like that, that can be very exciting. And, you mm-hmm. know, I just kind of hope people notice that, like, I feel like this show did a really great, great job at pointing out the complexities of people, the way their thought yes. process works, why they are the way they mm-hmm. are. And, um, and I just, I really appreciated the way the show did that. Yeah, that was really well said. Cause like, I've always loved character development. I always just appreciate a dynamic character, like one that is just more than one trait of them. So showing someone who can be like selfish, but inherently like immoral at the same, or like a good person, but also immoral or like making bad choices, like Lady um, Featherington or um, even Eloise at times. Even Penelope, exactly. Like Penelope, we, there's a lot of lists of things that she has done wrong with it. At the same time, it's like, well, she, you know, she's also growing up. So it's just, it's a very interesting way to see women as well, because it's like, usually women are very polarized whenever they're written. So this is a very like, most dynamic women probably on screen. Agreed, agreed. And if Mm -hmm. you want other dynamic shows or my recommendation for other shows that are, have amazing representation as far as like people of color, but also complex characters, uh, interesting women and things like that is the sci-fi series on Amazon called The Expanse. It's my I need to, I've actually been meaning to start that. Someone else has told me to watch it and I've really been meaning to watch in it. In my opinion, it is by far like season three of The Expanse is the best television I've ever seen. I have to start it tonight. I have Absolutely. to start it. it you're like Hang the third in there person told me about it. Season three is just like yeah. wow. Um, it is yeah. the best television that I've ever seen, and it gives me wow. hope for humanity. Like I just, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> okay. But it's very sci-fi. It's set in the future, yeah. and um, you know I love sci-fi, so I'm, I'm all over this. <laughs> so uh, I really like 
you know, and, and I feel like the expanse has ruined television for me because it, it doesn't look as beautifully represented as the expanse. I don't like it. And Bridgerton is that Bridgerton brings oh, that. So okay. like, I think that's why I love Bridgerton so much was just because it, it's beautiful in the characters, their complexity and just the representation alone. It's just so beautiful. For yeah. both Amazon's the expanse and on Bridgerton. So that's my recommend mm-hmm. for anybody so, who needs okay. to binge something after they've been yeah. Bridgerton and you don't know what to watch, watch that. Perfect, because I do need something to watch, and I've been meeting, I mean, I have a big list of things to watch, but Expanse has been on my list, so I will definitely be watching that. So where can people find you on social media? Um, So the best will be TikTok, especially when it comes to talking about TV and fandom and diversity and representation. TikTok is where I, my my main, call me by this, um, call me by the same Maria is my main count talking about those things. I'm also on Twitter. Um, so I'm also a med student and I talk more about like medical things on there. And then you can always follow me on Instagram for like, you know, just to see my life. But yeah, call me by the same Maria on TikTok would be the best way to hear more of these kind of comments and see this kind of t- content. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today to, you know. Of course. So thank you so much. This was so much fun. This has been great. Yeah. I've been meeting, I've been so excited to talk about Bridgerton because I wasn't feeling well, but I was like rewatching it. So you're like, the. I've been so excited to talk about this for so long. So I really appreciate you calling me and like saying we should do this. Well, been, hopefully you'll come so on and be a guest on the podcast again soon. Of course, I would love to. All right, well, this is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple Geek Podcast. We want to thank everybody who tuned in today and especially our guests. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head on over to templegeek.com. There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.